Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, along with my good friend, Jason Jackson. How are we doing, Jason? Good, Abe. How are you? Good. Looking forward to sharing some time with you today, talking about the message. It's been a while since we've uh, done a podcast, just you and I. Why is that? I always look forward to sharing time with you. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we could just get on here and just talk about stuff. I mean, I'm sure we could fill up a time. Every time we meet together, I feel like we have quite the conversations and ask lots of questions and yes. try to solve some of prob- the problems that are going on. But I'm not sure we've solved one. Yeah, I don't either. We have a lot of good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't know if we've implemented a I lot of them. I do enjoy our time. To- we've known each other for a long time. It has been. Yep. When was that? 2000? 2001, like 2001, inner city, Chicago, Chicago and a missions trip. Yep. That's yep. wild. That was fun. Abe was youth pastor here at Sailorville and I was a youth pastor at a church in Pennsylvania. And both of us looked at each other and said, what in the world are we supposed to be doing? And, uh, we followed each other around with our group of teenagers all week and got to be good buddies. And then you finally followed the Lord and came to Iowa. That's right. Everybody <laughs> everybody that follows the Lord ends up in Iowa. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you've been on staff for how long? Has it been seven years? Yeah. Yeah. January 1st of 2016. Yep. Yeah. Just, it's flown by. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, we've enjoyed having you on this team and being a part of what's going on here at Sailorville and... Um, so you're the discipleship pastor and also an elder here and, uh, has helped us move along in a lot of different ways and, um, processes, discipleship, internships, residents with the engaged network. You've got, you wear a lot of hats and have really helped us take all of our ramblings and all of our thoughts and put them in (laughs) order and on paper and get it written down, which has been huge for us. So, yeah, it's a great team. I, I just, um, Really blessed to be part of this. Meredith, too, you know, we, we both get to be part of it. This is the church we would come to if we weren't on staff. You know, that's a it's a gift to us, really. Sailorville is a yep. great place right now, and God's really working here. And it's a great time of year to be part of God's, you know, kingdom and what's going on around the world for His glory. It's Easter week right now as we're recording this. And, yeah. uh, last Sunday was Palm Sunday. This upcoming Sunday is Easter, of course, Good Friday in there, too. Yep. And so it's just a really good time to talk about Jesus with not just guys like you and me, but people that don't know him too. Yep. So you preached on Sunday, and uh, why don't you just give us a quick overview of kind of where you went in case people listening didn't actually listen to the message. Sure. Uh, give us a quick overview. Yeah, so we're in a Sunday morning series right now called From Grief to Glory, really following Jesus through his last couple days Um of his human life before his crucifixion, and then ultimately his resurrection. And so we're mostly in the Gospels, and this last Sunday I uh, had the passage from John 18 where um, Jesus is in front of the high priests at what would eventually be a mock trial in front of the religious uh, authorities, and then he is led to Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman governor, at the time, and he has another sort of a trial there. And then in between those two trials, you have Peter, who's in the courtyard of the high priest's residence right outside his house, and Peter is kind of on his, in his own trial. You know, he gets asked three times about his connection with Jesus, and three times he, he denies it. So the message Sunday was essentially um, 
uh, an unpacking of Pilate's question when Jesus is right in front of him. Pilate eventually says, what is truth? And Jesus, you know, humbly and firmly responds um, as the embodiment of truth. And so I think the message is a it's, a, it's a biblical message, it's a cultural message, you know, we're being asked questions like that, whether we know it or not, what is truth and how do I live based on truth? So that was sort of the, um, that was the impetus behind the message from John 18. And then also, you know, how do we deal with denial? If, if we're a Christ follower and we're like Peter, who, you know, we probably can all relate to in some way or another. So there's a lot of hope there, a lot of forgiveness there, and you know, that's I, I love reading the Bible and, and trying to relate to people in the Bible, especially in the Gospels. It's really fun to say, ah, well, who do I relate to in this passage? And it's it's sometimes not who I th- thought I would relate to, or who am I most like? And it's not the person I want to be most like, it's just the person that I am. And it's fun to read the Bible that way and then to be transformed by the Holy Spirit based on what he teaches you in that passage. Talk a little bit about the four the four points at the end of the message, because that's there's there were several when I heard that and I thought about us doing this podcast, I thought, oh, this will be fun to to dig into a little bit and um, ask some questions about and practically what does that look like? But. Yeah, yeah. So we sort of walk through the passage that that cuts back and forth between uh, you know a couple characters, some scenes from these different conversations and trials and interactions, and and it sort of plays out like a movie. And these things are kind of happening as you as you harmonize the gospel and the, and the, and the stories that are being told from different perspectives, you see that they're all kind of happening at the same time, or at least close by each other. And so you get this idea that, um, that Jesus is having his trial in front of the high priest and then eventually in front of Pilate and, you know, Peter's in between there. And, and there's a lot of overlap in the timing there. And so I think we're supposed to see the contrast between Christ and his perfection and his holiness. And then, uh, the the sinfulness of man, whether that's Peter or the high priest or Pilate or ultimately Barabbas at the end of the passage, and so we sort of unpack that as the as John eighteen um, goes, you know, from verse twelve all the way down to the end of verse forty. And uh, the way I explained it was that Peter denied the truth, but Jesus is forgiveness for the failure. And I, I you know, I think there's some important positivity there if you're a Christ follower. Um, Jesus doesn't just leave you in your failure. He doesn't just leave you in your denial. Um, if that's you, there's, there's forgiveness for your failure. The religious leaders, that would be like uh, Annas and Caiaphas, and then the, the Pharisees and others that sort of show up in those passages. They despise the truth, but Jesus is hope for the hypocrite. These were the guys that Jesus called whitewashed tombs, so they had this yeah. you know, external picture of, you know, quote-unquote, godliness or spirituality. But, you know, he says, in, inside your, your heart stinks like a like a dead guy in a tomb. Uh, Pilate then doubted the truth, but Jesus is salvation for the skeptic. I think that that's a fun one to think through. You know, I think there's a lot of people that are wondering about Christianity, maybe especially this time of year. I think there's a lot of cynics and skeptics out there that would say, man, I'm just, uh, I can't get, I can't quite get there. I, I doubt it. This part doesn't make sense, or I'm almost there, but, uh, but here's something that I can't quite get my mind and my heart around. And so I think there's there's salvation for those skeptics, and Jesus offers that. And then Barabbas was delivered by the truth because Jesus is the substitute or the substitution for the sinner. So you sort of look at those four different types of characters or people groups, and you, what I like to do is just say, which, which one am I? Yeah. And not just in my life overall, but like right now, who am I most like in this in this story, and what should I do about that?
Yeah, and what what and people listening right now, you 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 essentially have to put yourself in one of those categories on some level, right? Wherever you are listening to this right now, but you did ask the question right at the beginning. You know, what is truth? I mean, that yeah. is a that seems to be a very popular question right now in our culture and in the church and you know the skeptics and everybody else who's out there. But it you get a lot of different answers with that. You get a lot of different opinions of what that actually means and can you really know, is there really absolute truth? I mean, you have a lot of people asking that. And I know you've studied that quite a bit even in preparation for this, but like what what are you seeing in the culture and then also within the church and and just answering that question um, because that it's a, it's a simple question with a lot of depth to it, depending on where you're coming from. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're in a church setting on Sunday morning, and so I think the conversation starts with this, uh, with this presupposition of faith and of the fact that we're, we're talking to a group of people, for the most part, in, that are part of our church, that have in some ways said, I, I, I want to be more like Jesus. That, that's who we are as a church. Now, there's people that are listening to that, people that are watching that, people that are in the seats that wouldn't say that, but the conversation has to start somewhere. So when you answer the question, what is truth? My definition was something along the lines of truth is found in the in the pages of God's word. That's the Bible or or anything that anything that God has communicated, and then the person of of God's Son. So you've got the truth in Scripture, and then you've got the truth in in Jesus. The the pages of the Bible, and then the person of of Jesus Christ Himself. And so anything that doesn't line up with what we see in God's word or line up with the character of God that we see mostly through the the person of Jesus Christ, that that becomes not something that's true then. If truth is in God's Word, and if truth is Jesus, then anything that doesn't line up with either of those is is not. So I think it's a sneaky thing in our culture. Um, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're faced with questions all the time of what is truth, whether we recognize them or they're asked in that way or in that phrase. I think it's a question of what's right and what's wrong, and maybe what's right for me isn't right for you. And we hear a phrase like, uh, you know, speak your truth, or what's true for you isn't necessarily what's true for me. And I don't, I don't want to like, you know, broad brush this, but I think we just have to be really careful when we use the word truth, that mm-hmm. it's not an opinion, it's not a preference, it's not even necessarily a, a, a principle. This is, this is actual truth. I mean, we're talking about an absolute truth that is something from God's Word, or something that lines up with, with God's character as seen in His Son. So, I think our culture is is really likes the idea of not having an absolute truth because then that makes everybody essentially their own standard. And if I'm my own standard, then you can't tell me what I'm doing is wrong, or another way to say that would be untruthful or false. And so that makes me feel a lot better about what I'm doing. Um, if I'm the standard, then then I can do whatever I want and say, well, this is true for me. On the other hand, I can't tell you what to do either, because if I'm the standard for my own life and for what happens around me, then you you also have to be the standard for your own life and what happens around you. And so I think we get in trouble with that ultimately, because if you take it to its logical end, then you can't say anything is right or wrong. You can't say anything is true or false. You can't say anything is evil or righteous. You know, I was thinking this last week, we had a, another school shooting, which are just awful, horrendous things. It's really interesting. Our our culture now. This is a this is a pup, this is a Christian school, but it's an elementary school, 
And there's something happening in our school systems right now, especially our public schools, maybe not right where we are, but kind of, you know, it's creeping in across the nation that this idea of truth and who you are is is only dependent on what you want to be. And you can claim whatever you want right. to be and you right. can you can make up all these things about yourself and say, well, this is who I am and then tomorrow I may be different, but this is my truth right now. And so we're in this education system or whatever that says basically there is very little truth. You decide that for your own. But yet when somebody comes into an elementary school and shoots a bunch of kids and a bunch of teachers, almost everybody says, whoa, that's wrong. Right. That's evil. Well, my point is you can't have it both ways. You can't say, nope, everybody's their own standard. Everybody decides what's true and false, right and wrong, good, evil for themselves. And then also put a standard like going into a school and shooting a bunch of people is evil. Because now, now, you've, made a, now you've made a standard there where before you were saying there is no standard. I basically decide whatever I want. So I think in, when our culture moves towards that, uh, there is no truth. We get in trouble because you can't take that too many steps before it gets kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. How, how does that? Uh, how does that same conversation come into the church? Because you know, church as a whole, there's lots of people who would say, "I'm a Christian. I have trusted Christ as my Savior." But yeah, there's still this argument of like, "Well, that's not really that's not really wrong," or. I mean, that's what you believe, or that's how you interpret the Bible, right? So there again, you're still, even within the church, you're having conversations of, well, is that really what that means? Because I don't really want to follow that. I, I still, I, I love the idea that Jesus is my Savior, but I want to be Lord of my life, and I want to make my own rules, even when it comes to God and the character and what, what the Bible actually says. Yeah, it's a great question, I and I, and probably that's one of the ways that most of the people that are listening to this will will filter that question, what is truth, or that's the way they'll hear it, or people will ask them uh, or say something to them like, well, you may believe that, but I don't believe that. They may, that may be true for you, but I don't think that's true for me or whatever. I think we, we, we primarily have to, have to start off with the, um, with the same spirit that Jesus did. He was incredibly humble, very gracious, but he stood for truth, right? Uh, you know, he got slapped in the face and didn't retaliate. He got put through six essential illegal trials and didn't, you know, defend himself, didn't put his foot down. He didn't turn around and yell at people and say, don't you know who I am or whatever. I mean, that's the story of Easter. He went to the cross, Good Friday, so that he could rise again on Easter. So we have to start off with a heart of graciousness and a heart of compassion for everybody that is around us, that, you know, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. So I think when we come at it from a combative standpoint or a defensive standpoint, then that just digs us into a hole that people already think we're in, right? So when we love people, no matter how they talk to us or what questions they ask us, that lowers down some defenses, I think. And it's, it's more like Jesus, which is what we want to be. So I think coming at it from a spirit of compassion and grace is the first thing. And then I think we have to say, look, I take this by faith, but I'm matching this up against the Word of God, and, and I live my life based on the standard of God's character that I see in the pages of Scripture, and that's the best way to live. I think we've got to teach each other. We've got to we've got to teach our kids. We've got to teach our small groups. We've got to preach. We've got to have conversations that say, "Hey, being a Christian 
having faith in Jesus Christ and living my life to be more like him, that is the best way to live. That's the most consistent way to live. That's the most loving way to live. That's the abundant life. And by the way, we see that in Scripture too, right? That's why Jesus came, so that we might have life and have it abundantly. So I think to begin the conversation from a heart of compassion and grace, to walk into a conversation, to continue in that conversation um, based on a, a, based on faith, but then also to say, this is not just a set of rules that I check off and, you know, I'm, I'm like in a cult or stuck in a compound or something and I have to do what people tell me to do. No, this is the best way to live. It is. Yeah. Okay, so let's practically play that out. You and I have grown up in church, been around religion and um, seen a lot of that. But how How do you, like, and, and you're over community groups, so how do, how do we, if you see that, like let's say we're in a conversation where, where, see, where I'm like, man, that is... I think they're off. I think they're they're making up their own d- definition of what that looks like. How do I practically come to you, let's say we're in community group together, and lovingly correct you and say, I really <laughs> think this passage is, this is truth here, and I think you're off. I mean, how do you do that? Which hey, you've I'll, had tons yeah. of experience with. <laughs> <laughs> you've been doing this longer than I have, buddy. Um, I, and I've seen you do this really well. I I think, uh, again, you, you start with the heart of love, you start with the heart of compassion, and so you're not, you're not coming, even if somebody else is wrong, right? You, do, you don't need to hammer them. That's not the first thing. I think you, you confront them in love, and, um, and, it, and it's a good thing to do that. It's a good thing to practice that and to remember that. But I think you show them from Scripture where you believe they may be off, and recognizing that they may not be off, and as you talk to them, you may be the one that's not seeing things yeah. correctly. And so as believers, we've got this Holy Spirit that is inside of us, and if the person that you're talking to is a believer as well, then ideally the Holy Spirit is guiding them too. And so we walk into a conversation with love and compassion and grace, and maybe you pray even before you do that, or or you prayerfully uh, have that conversation with that other person, and you recognize that you may not be right. But, you know, if it's a cut-and-dry kind of thing, you have to show them Scripture and say, here's how, here's how I see the truth, and it seems as though you're not living this way. Yeah. I think it's a good thing to do that once in a while. Yeah, and that that's not easy. That, yeah. I think a lot of people, we, we shy away from that. We don't want to hurt somebody. We don't want to cause a rift between people, right? But at the end of the day, we do have to say, do I do I love you in Christ? And I want you to be more like Jesus. So man, if I can help you in love, like you said, I think that's key, right? It's not like I'm coming after you and I'm better than you, but man, I want to see you become more like Jesus, right? Yeah. And if I can help, because we all see ourselves differently than everybody else sees us. I see my heart and think I'm fine. Sure. And you're looking at me going, dude, you don't, you don't see that? Yeah. And I, no, I don't see that. You know, we need yeah. other people to speak into us and Show us from Scripture where we're off and what is truth. It reminds me of another story, you know, in the Gospels about the guy that shows up to confront somebody else, and he says, "Hey, you've got a speck in your eye." And the guy's like, "Well, you got a log in your eye. Yeah. How, you know, how right. are you going to even tell me that I'm wrong when you've got something massive? You can't even see what's going on in my eye." So I, I think the the principle there is make sure that you're right before God before before you help somebody else be right before God. 
And yeah. and by the way, this this is a relational thing, right? This is you know consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. This isn't a get online and blast, yeah. You know your opinion and tell everybody that in the comments disagrees with you that they're big jerks or whatever. I I'm I'm big on like the 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 relational private con, uh, confrontation. I think there are times where we have to do that publicly for public sin, but. I would rather Christians are not known for being jerks online and confronting everybody and going around and yeah. you know using the Bible like a hammer. Uh, to me, there may be a time for that, but it's probably not as many times as we do it. Yeah, and I think that the 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 thing you brought up about the the speck and the log, I think that does cause a lot of people not to maybe step into someone else's life and challenge them on sure. truth because they know. Yeah, I do have a log in my eye, right? Who am I to come and talk to you? Who am I to confront you or show you truth? And yet, we're, if we understand the gospel, we're, we're all yeah. We all have sin. We all have issues. Yeah. And if if we all thought that way, nobody would ever love anybody, and we would just say like, I, I got nothing. Yeah, and the point of that parable is not don't confront someone else, don't call someone else on their sin. It's take care of your own sin before you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, Hebrews three is exhort one another. As long as today is called today, basically. So we are told, you know, we're sort of off the topic here a little bit, yeah. but we are told that when you see something that's not truth in someone else, that you do need to call that out lovingly as a Christian, especially if you have a relationship with them. But before you do that, you need to check your own heart and your own life and say, yeah. oh my goodness, I, I'm, I'm pretty evil right now myself, so I need to check that before I come to you and say, hey, I'm, I'm noticing maybe there's something off in your life. Yeah, that's good. So let's look at that. Let's look at that first point you made, Jesus' forgiveness for the for the failure. I think that resonates with a lot of people. I know it resonated with me when I heard that of um give us the context of that why why that you use that phrase and you know talking about Peter and Jesus and the denial and and then um you even made a comment um at one point about, you know, I've whiffed <laughs> so many times uh, when it comes to, you know, sharing my faith or standing up for what I believe, you know, man-pleasing. So maybe talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, when I was preparing for this message, I, I started to write down examples of when I've denied Christ, basically, with my actions and with my words, and when I've not stood up for him. So Peter's asked three times, you know, are you with Jesus? And all three times he's like, I am not, you know, which is the exact opposite of truth. And I, I just started writing down all these examples of times when I've said, when I've had opportunities to say, I'm with Jesus, and I haven't, either by my silence or, or verbally, I've, you know, sort of gone around it somehow um, because I'm afraid of what people will think of me or whatever. And uh, yeah, I remember one time as, a, you know, I'm a youth pastor and a, a vendor comes into the office and one of the secretaries says, hey, this guy wants to talk to a pastor. And so I pop my head out of the office and... Um, he, we, we talk about whatever it is he's selling, and then he says, hey, by the way, what does this church believe anyway? So I start, you know, generally sharing some of our beliefs, uh, you know, and the gospel is a, is a big part of that, of course. And uh, he looks at me and goes, well, I just think as long as you believe something, you're going to end up in heaven. And then he turns around and walks away. And I was like, well, there he goes. And I, you know, so then I turned back to my, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and we've got two secretaries sitting there watching the whole thing. And I turned back and walked back into my office, and I'm sure I was doing something very important, like ordering pizza or inflating <laughs> basketballs or something, you know. And uh, and I just, I left it. And 
one of my secretaries, one of the secretaries of the church came in, you know, a couple minutes later and she goes, hey, I don't really know how to say this, but wasn't that a great opportunity? <laughs> like share the gospel wow. with that guy. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, you're right. And I, that's just an example of, a, you know, a hundred that I could give, of course. But um, I think the key there is not to stay there. You know, we're all going to deny. We're all going to whiff. We're all going to make mistakes. We are all sinners. Even if you're a Christian, you still sin. And as yeah. Pastor Pat says, hopefully you sin less, even though you're not sinless. I think the key is there is forgiveness for our failures. And I see that in Peter's life. You know, you see him on the shores of the Sea of Galilee a couple days later, and Jesus invites him to the fire. You know, Peter jumps out of the boat, and he's like, oh, my word, this is Jesus. And, you know, Jesus says, do you love me? And he says, of course I do. And and then a couple chapters later in the book of Acts, you see Peter preaching this amazing message, and mm-hmm. the guy that denied Jesus in front of a servant girl is now preaching, and 3,000 people come to Christ and are added to the church. It's the same guy, mm-hmm. like within a matter of days, basically. And why in the world would Jesus have used Peter? I mean, Jesus could have just said, dude, you had three chances, and I'm, I'm done with you. I'm going with a different plan, right? I'm going to use John you know, my buddy, I'm going to use Thomas who doubted me and, and, you know, and then is back, but he used Peter. And towards the end of his life, Peter's the guy that writes first and second Peter and says, Hey, don't you always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. And I think he's thinking about that. I think every time Peter heard a rooster crow or smelled a campfire, he's, <laughs> he's, he's thinking about that night. Right. Yeah. And that's not a, like a conviction. Oh my word, that hurts so bad. It's a, wow, thank you, Lord, for not discarding me. I denied you, and yet you didn't discard me. Mm. Uh, there's great hope and forgiveness in that. Yeah, that's really good. So the listener right now, there's yeah. a lot of people out there that are, and I think you even mentioned this in the message, you know, like you've 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 messed up, you've rejected Christ, you've continued to run back to sin, whatever it may be, or you yeah. feel like a failure. You feel like a failure today. I think yeah. you said that. Which I think there's a lot of people there. I oh, think there's a sure. lot of people there that are saying, yeah, I, I feel like Peter. I just want to. I want to run away and go cry, yeah. and you know, uncontrollably because I've, I've let God down. I've let yeah. my community group down. I've let my yeah. wife and kids down. Whatever it may be. What What is? They're listening to this. What do they do? I mean, yeah. what 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 do they remember? What's the truth when we talk about truth? What is the truth that they need to remember to say? Remember who you are, right? Speak to that a little bit. Well, so remember who you are. If you're a Christ follower, you are in Christ, and there's there's no way out of Christ. You've been placed in. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what you what you do or don't do. You're not you're not going to get out of Christ. Here, John ten. You're in His hands. No one can snatch them out of My hands. So first of all, there's an assurance that you are in God's family. Romans 8, he loves you. He can't not love you. He can't love you any more or any less. He abs- You are absolutely loved by God. And the demonstration of that is, you know, Christ on the cross and then and then the resurrection and now ascended and preparing a place for us. So I, I think the first thing there is just remember that no matter what you've done, if you're a believer, you're not out of God's hands you, or out of his love. You can't ever be. But there is confession and repentance and you do need to get back right with God. There's God hasn't turned his back on you, but there is a strain in that relationship because of what you've done. And uh, I think when we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there is repentance and confession, 
And then a turning. Repentance is not just saying something and staying there, but saying something and then turning 180 degrees and, you know, going the other direction. So there's an adjustment in my life. Maybe I have to get out of where I was. Peter's, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting around the fire with all those guys that arrested and eventually killed Jesus. You know, he needs to get out of there. Peter, like us, need to get away from the places that are tempting us or the places where we're prone to make mistakes or sin or whatever. And so there's an adjustment in the way we in the way we live, actually, there too. And then uh, just a, 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 a realization that there is forgiveness. That, I think, is just huge for people. You're, God's not done with you when you sin. You've got to repent. You've got to confess. But the basis of that confession is that God has, is, he will forgive you, and he will um, continue with his plan for you. You know, you're not dead yet, so... Uh, so he's still got stuff for you to do here on earth. Yeah, that's really good. So don't wallow in your in your failure, I guess. And like, I can get there. I can. Oh, uh, woe is me! You know, I I stink and I made a mistake. And God, you know, can God ever use me again after I've really screwed up or whatever? I think one of the beauties of Scripture is reading about all these great men and women that they were humans. Yeah, I mean, every single one of them. We read about all, all these characters like heroes of the faith. You know, like David, Moses, Peter, Paul, everybody's like, oh my word, how did God continue to use this guy after he really screwed up royally? (laughs) Well, he forgives. He forgives us too. That's something that just continues to resonate. I I feel like, man, the idea, even Peter like running away, right, from Jesus and going and hide and crying versus like what you just said about jumping out of the boat and running to him, you know, I think Uh, we... We often, when we sin, we want to go and hide. We want to, of like, course. Con- we don't want to, we don't want to tell anybody we failed because that's my pride and I've got to, I've got to look like I've got it all figured out. And yet the thing that's been resonating with me is I just can, I don't like, do I understand the gospel? And if the guy, if I understand the gospel, then I should willingly run to Jesus because I've been forgiven yeah. and what he's done. And, and, and I should be able to run to you or to my wife or my kids or anybody else and be like, man, I screwed up. Yeah. I failed. Will you forgive me? Like, I just, I don't know. I've been challenged by that lately. Like, we need to have that more of a culture and, and do that more often. I don't think we do it enough because we're, at least I am, I'll speak for myself. I'm, I'm too proud. I want to, mm. I want to protect my image. I want to protect what my wife thinks. I want to protect what my kids think. And I don't want to, I don't want to show them that I'm weak. I want to show them that I'm strong and I've got it figured out. And yeah, I just think, man, if we can have more of a culture like that. That would be sweet. The, you know, this is probably a different podcast for a different conversation, but the irony of all that is as soon as you begin to open up, then I realize it's okay. And and not just it's okay, but it, it's right. And so then I begin to open up. And now all of a sudden we're both being honest and authentic and genuine and vulnerable and transparent and confessing. Mm-hmm. And and we're, we're, we're grown together because of that. People around us see that and they're like, oh, that's what you do here? And so they start to do that. But as soon as that cycle ends, as soon as one person keeps it to themselves, then the person, people around them think, I know he's a sinner because everybody is. But he's not admitting it and he's not talking about it and he's not confessing it. So I guess that's the culture. So right. then they all, they all run and hide and curl up in a ball, you know. But yeah. when you run to Jesus, I mean, what were the other disciples that were in the boat thinking? And then the other ones that were on the shore eventually and stuff. You know, they're like, oh my word, look at Peter. The last time he saw Jesus alive, basically, was when he denied him three times. <laughs> now he's jumping out of the boat and swimming over there to him as fast as he can. And you think that didn't spur them on to get closer yeah. to Jesus themselves? Yeah, of course. 
We just saw that in in our elder meeting a couple of weeks ago where somebody was talking about forgiveness and confession, which led to another guy. That's right. Talking about, hey, I need to That's I need right. to go seek forgiveness from somebody, which then triggered another guy to yeah. go and talk to somebody. Yeah. I mean, so it is, like you said, it is something like, man, that that if we believe the gospel, then that should be that should be part of the culture. That should be normal. Yeah. So forgiveness doesn't make light of sin. It just makes much of Jesus. Some some people may be hearing this and saying, okay, so you guys are saying sin isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, God's going to forgive right. you, and you know Jesus covered that with his blood yep. and stuff, so what's the big deal? Keep here? on sinning so grace may abound. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, what should we say then, right? But no, don't, sin is a huge deal. So don't minimize sin, but just maximize God. We, we've got to recognize that our sin... My wife said this the other day in our small group. I'd never heard it like this. She goes, how many people are, are on the earth right now? Eight billion, let's say. Now let's say... Everybody on the planet sins just one time a day. That's 8 billion sins a day. Okay, now now what about yesterday? 8 billion yesterday. What about the day? 8 billion the day before? Well, that adds up, right? And then you recognize that we've got people from, you know, all the way from now until Adam and Eve that have been sinning every single day, yeah. not just once, but multiple times, things that they know about, things they don't even know about. And oh my goodness. And here's Jesus who takes on, watch how this works. The sin of the world, yeah. past, present, and future, not just one a day for 8 billion people right now, not just one a day for 8 billion people in the past, but in the future, and certainly not just one a day, and for more than 8 billion people. I mean, the sins of the world means the sins of the world were on Christ's shoulders on the cross. You can't even... I, yeah. I can't even fathom the numbers, you know, the, like, I just picture this, wait, 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 uh, you know, no wonder God couldn't look at it. It's the sins of the world yeah. for all of history on his son. That's an amazing, you know, quantity of sin. So let's not minimize sin, but let's recognize that God's forgiveness is so much greater than our sin, which yeah. is, you know, blows your mind. Which is a great image as we go into Good Friday yeah. and Easter to remember that image of he took on the sins of the world yeah. and remember that. And if, if you're listening to this right now and you are, you're saying, yeah, that's me. I'm, I feel like a failure. I am a failure. I feel like I'm failing. Remember to run to Jesus and, yeah. and stop right now and just remember who you are in Christ and remember what Christ did on the cross for your sin, yeah. the sin that you're wallowing in, the sin that you're struggling with right now. Run to Jesus and remember that. Okay, so hey, let's let's cover one more of these because I think this is another one. Uh, Jesus is the hope for the hypocrite, the religious, and uh, you and I would both be um, we would both acknowledge ourselves as the older brother in the um, prodigal the son. Prodigal yeah. son. We, yeah. we both would say, "Oh yeah, that's that's us." You know, the the religious, the good, the the uh, have it all together, you know, whatever the Pharisee that you know the, the book accidental Pharisee that was a really good book for me in my heart and um, but you'd made a couple comments there about you know you look really good on the outside but on the inside you stink Isaiah you're talking about Isaiah sixty four um, six right yeah into righteousness is like filthy rags yep. yeah so yeah talk a little bit talk a little bit more about that one. Well, I, I mean, you said it. I think, I think people that have grown up in 
let's say religion and maybe even our stripe of religion you know christianity or 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 um faith in christ himself i i think this is maybe one that we're prone to more than some others because um we've been in and out of church like every week of our lives i I think of your kids i think of my kid you know he's he's in like multiple services every single week you know and the way things used to be you were here sunday morning and sunday night wednesday night you know sometime in between and you know every time the doors were open you were at church and it became like just the it became a lifestyle not necessarily um something that really impacted your heart and so i i think that people like us, and maybe there are a whole bunch more that are listening to this that have grown up in quote-unquote religion. And so they've learned to do the things that religious people do without having the heart change that um, real Christ followers have. And it's super easy to just check the boxes and to go down and behave like a Christian without actually having, without belonging to Jesus. So out of the heart springs the issues of life, and so if our heart is pure, then what comes out is pure. But if our heart is not pure, it doesn't matter what comes out; it can't be pure, right? That's where our righteousness, no matter what, our, what no matter what things look like on the outside, if our hearts aren't righteous, then mm-hmm. everything that comes out is like filthy rags. And so, I have to really be careful with this. I I like to appear in front of people like I've like I'm righteous or whatever. But it can't be because of what I'm doing. It has to be because of what Christ has done that starts in my heart, and He's and that changes my life. Now, we do live out the fruit of the Spirit. There are external evidences of a changed heart. So it's not all about what happens inside and nothing happens outside, right? We, we know that. There is growth, and there is um, movement in being a follower of Jesus. We say more like Jesus means there, there are things that you do on the outside that have changed. Which is love, joy, peace, of course. patience, of course. goodness, kindness, yeah. gentleness. I mean, those are all the fruits. Yeah, and even some of the things that we say are important to us here as a church, like being generous and, and being in community and living on mission and valuing the gospel. I mean, those are things that if you value them, they show up on the outside. But just because they show up on the outside doesn't mean that you've been changed on the inside. That's behavior modification, and like everybody can, you know, animals can do that. That doesn't mean that they're changed on the inside. So the people that I relate to in a passage like this sometimes is mostly the religious leaders that said, hey, everybody's got to follow these rules, and if you follow these rules, then God's going to be happy with you. Mm -hmm. Well, you can follow a whole bunch of rules, and God's not happy with you from a salvation standpoint because your heart is not changed. Yeah, that's really good. I think it, as I was thinking about this and as I heard the message, I thought, you know, I, for me, it's not something that, oh, yeah, I don't ever deal with that anymore. Like, I used to be, you know, that way, or I used to be this, like, self-righteous guy, or I thought I was, you know, like, I, th- I feel like it's still a challenge to me. I don't know about you, but I think it's something that I, I have to constantly keep, like, my heart in check because I can become judgmental self-righteous, think of myself as better than, I check more boxes than you, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm more disciplined than you, whatever. I mean, we you know, we can, and yeah, instead of remembering, yeah, well, yeah, but who are you in Christ? Yeah. What has Christ done through you and the grace that he's shown through you? And it's so easy to even fall back into that. Yeah. Uh, and you just have to be really careful because it can sneak up, sneak up on you. So I think there's a really good, simple test for this. It's to ask yourself, and then to also have some people that 
love you enough to tell you the truth, to ask, to have them ask you, why are you doing that? You know, fill in the blank. Why are you coming to church? Why are you giving? Why are you, you know, sharing what you just shared? Why are you upfront in this thing? Why are you leading this? Why did you say that that way? Because that gets to the motivation, which is the heart. And I think anybody that's trying to be more like Jesus should pause and say, that's a good question. I need to make sure that my motivations are right. Simple test. Yeah, that's really good. Any other closing thoughts or comments? This has been really good. Yeah, you know, I can't get over the Barabbas thing. We we're we're all we're all Barabbas. <laughs> we all are on death row because of our sin. We're all headed for an eternity without without God in a very real place called hell. You know, Barabbas is on his way to be crucified probably um, because he was a convicted murderer, insurrectionist, revolutionary against the Roman government. You know, he disobeyed the law. Well, that's all, that's all of us. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if it weren't for Jesus, like he did for Barabbas, taking his place as a substitute, we would all be sentenced to death and that death would have been completed when we spend eternity in hell without him. So I, I, I want to remember in my own life the personal nature of the gospel, of the Easter story, right? Not just for all of us, but for me. I am Barabbas. And uh, I, I guess I would say if there's somebody listening to this that you know, hasn't ever gotten to that point, they would say, eh, I, you know, that's for other people or whatever. I, I would ask you to just like, see if you can identify with Barabbas mm-hmm. in this story. And if you were Barabbas, what would that have done to see someone else take your place, a place that you knew you deserved. I had someone ask me uh, from our community group, "Hey, did Barab? Will we see Barabbas in heaven?" Oh, that's a great question. And I, you know, it's we don't know. I, yeah. I don't think we know. At least There's, I can imagine. But I'd like to imagine that Barabbas saw Jesus walking away, being led to the cross, hung there on the cross, and died, and thought, "Wow, that guy took my place." Yeah. And that's that's the story of the gospel right there. And maybe that changed Barabbas, and maybe we'll see him in heaven. But even if we don't, we are Barabbas. Yeah. I remember when I first when I first read that or when I first understood that and, and it and it it totally stopped me in my tracks, you know, when I understood that that picture of Barabbas and stuff. And I remember watching the passion. Yep. And when, when they're going through the whole trial and everything and, you know, they say, free Barabbas, free Barabbas. And, you know, his eyes light up like, are you kidding me? Uh, like, you're going to let, you're yeah. going to let me go? Like yeah. he's, and then he gets this smirk on his face yeah. and, and walks away from yeah. Jesus and kind of looks back at him like, ha, huh, you know, like he's laughing at Jesus. And, and I remember in that moment thinking, what an idiot. Like how, <laughs> how does this jerk yeah. get away with this? How does he get to walk free? He's totally guilty. That makes that makes absolutely no sense. And then it's yeah, that's me. Yeah, I, I I mock the whole thing, and I don't know. It was just like, but I think it's a great point. I, I loved it when you talked about that, and I think everyone's got to you got to understand your Barabbas, and like you you deserve the penalty, right? Yeah, you deserve death. Yeah, that's that's such a great great passage, great story. You know, it is the greatest story ever told. It's the story of of Jesus, death, burial, resurrection. For us, for me, for the world, for all of eternity. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Abra.